couple years ago, I was sitting down, uh, taking a break from my job at The Athletic Media Company, and uh, I was drinking a non-alcoholic beer from Athletic Brewing, and I thought, uh, hey, this this could be a partnership because I'm, I'm an ad wizard, and so I put those two things together, and Took a couple years, but now I get to read ads for Athletic Brewing and uh, their non-alcoholic beers, and I'm excited about it. And I'm excited about it because I like the product. I like the product for a variety of different reasons. There are times where I'm uh, the designated driver, and that is it's perfect for me. I don't feel like I'm, I'm missing out on a whole lot. There are also times where I'm not the designated driver, but it's going to be a long day of gabbing. And I don't necessarily need to have 10 IPAs in a row. So I will mix in an athletic, non-alcoholic beer. And I I feel like I don't miss a beat. And it allows me to pace myself uh, the way I want to do it. It's perfect for beach days, music festivals, baseball games, camping, late nights. Uh, They have a ton of different varieties. They have uh, Light. They have Upside uh, Dawn Golden. They have Run Wild IPA. They have a Hazy IPA. They have Summer Seasonals. They've got a a Lemon Rattler, Ripe Pursuit. I don't even know what a Rattler is, but now I want to try it. I feel bad that I haven't tried it. So this summer, ask for the only non-alcoholic beer you need to know, Athletic. Head to askforathletic.com to find it near you and use the code T. TA2024 to get 15% off your first online order. That's code TA2024 at checkout for 15% off. It's near beer, non-alcoholic beer, and it tastes... Listen, I grew up with some funky ones. Uh, those didn't taste like beer. This tastes like... This This is good non-alcoholic beer. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. We're pretty late in Tout Wars in the, the what? draft. Wait, 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 wait. Why do you put the accent there? Hello, everybody, and welcome to your most favorite hour-ish uh, of impressions and then some fantasy baseball. <laughs> it's under the radar. And it's uh, draft season is heating up. With me, as always, my friend and yours, Ian Can. Hello, my friend. Your friend of mine, Derek Van Starting to lose track of the days. I only know that it's Tuesday because we're recording this show. Our friend and yours, Ariel Cohen. Hello, everyone. You guys ready to go? <laughs> Let's do it. All right. <laughs> Ariel Cohen. It looks like Ariel Cohen is going to make an appearance later in the show. It's You know what Ariel Cohen has become? You remember, if you guys might be too young for this, but there was a Batman TV series that starred Adam West that used to be on when I was a kid. So I was born in 1972, so I'm old. I was, you know, I But it was on Nick at Night. When okay, we were yeah. growing up. Yeah, yeah, so, I've, I've so, seen Batman with Adam West. Yeah, that show okay. I've never heard of called Batman. Thanks, Ian. <laughs> okay. So so Batman with Adam West. Um, every once in a while, like for six episodes out of all of them, Batgirl would come on. And so during the introduction, you would see Batgirl on her motorcycle ride in. And then you knew that Batgirl was going to make an appearance. And I was like eight or nine, and I still thought she was freaking hot. I was like, oh, my God, look at her. She's so hot. So I'd always get super excited. So I'd like to think that that's the, uh, you know, when I, when I do a little bit of the impression, you know that Ariel Cohen will be making an appearance on, on today's episode. That was a very strange metaphor. Yeah. But I, all right, we'll take it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> on today's show, uh, originally it was kind of the our team's show. Uh, Ian wanted to talk about his labor team. Um, DVR doesn't make requests. But because he's got, he did his yesterday. That's right, because he's got his other show. 
Right. That's why. Uh, but in the meantime, like I, there, there were just some players that, you know, the show's under the radar. There's some players out there who I think are worth talking about, you know, even outside the context of our teams if we don't have them. So I want to bring up some guys and see what you guys thought of them as well. Um, so I don't know. Where do you want to DVR, where do you want to start? Should we start with Ian's AL labor team? And then 20 minutes later, we'll uh, get into these other players. Do you want? <laughs> no, let's start with the other players. We should probably yeah, start, we with, we the can start with the other players. I mean, I, I highlighted a few players that I was thinking about that you put on the rundown because I generally agree with your takes on those guys. Uh-oh. So maybe, oh, maybe we start with the bold stuff. All right, let's go. Uh, first guy I want to talk about was Ahmed Rosario. Um, it, it, he's befuddling to me. His ADP is 435.52, but I mean, listed-wise, it's number 351. I don't know which one you guys prefer in terms of ADP, but, you know, 351st player on the board on average, but people are picking him right around pick 435.52. Anyway, uh, you look at his numbers, he's got a nice average, developing power, speed. The projections have him for like right around 430, 450 at-bats played appearances, um, which I think is low. I mean, I understand there's a little competition there, but... I mean, this is a guy who, you know, maybe if all things are going the right way, could be like a 15-25 guy, maybe even a 20-20 threat. We don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, but DVR, since you bolded him, tell me how you agree with me on Ahmed Rosario. Well, I just think he could do a little bit of everything. I don't think his batting average floor is any lower than what we've seen already. Like 248 when he debuted, 252 in the shortened season. Got up to 287 in 2019. Maybe that's asking for too much, but he puts a lot of balls in play. He does run well. He's a good defender. He's got a good arm. I think the only thing I'm wondering about, they brought back Cesar Hernandez, which I thought was really strange because when they made the trade sending Lindor to the Mets, I thought Rosario and Andres Jimenez were going to play up the middle. Maybe they'd play Jimenez at short, move Rosario to second. Uh, I've heard that Rosario to center field is a possibility. I'm just wondering how all three of those players could coexist in the lineup together and what the priorities are going to be with Hernandez being an older player. Maybe they're willing to go ahead and let the two young guys play. But I think playing time is the only slight concern with Rosario. Otherwise, at the price especially, I think he could actually be a really nice value. You know, that's I think I, I guess my view on Rosario is that Jimenez is going to just not be a threat early on. They'll figure it out later, right? And maybe trade Hernandez or something. Ian, is that wrong? I mean, I... I, I'm a, I'm a little less bullish on him than you guys are. Uh, he he was such a hot pick going into last year. You know, people were like, "Hey, this is the new young shortstop who's going to you know run and and hit." And he really struggled. I mean, if we look at his, if we look at what happened last year, what did you say? What did he hit last year? Uh, DVR. He he hit two fifty two, but his OBP was only two seventy two. Um, his, you know, his OPS was around 640 and he, he just really struggled. I mean, the, the, the K rate went up, the, the walk rate went down. He, he was just not a very popular player, uh, for the Mets. It wasn't a surprise to see him move. You know, the thing that I find interesting is he, he could be like a Tommy Edmonds super util guy and get some time, but I think he's going to have to perform. I think Andres Jimenez is probably in my estimation going to get that job full time. Um, at shortstop, but but the flip side of that is Jimenez. They could send him back down. Right. I mean, they could send him down for a little while as well. So you know, there's a, there's there's a lot of questions there. You're betting on Oscar Mercado in center field. You know, is Jake is is uh, is Naylor going to end up at first base or is he going to be in right field? The Indians are, are a lot of moving pieces. It's it's a it's an interesting team in that way. I guess at four thirty five, 
it's pretty good. It's pretty decent value. I'm just not, I, 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 I'm not counting on him playing every day. I mean, I'm just not. In my estimation, that's not going to happen. You don't sign Cesar Hernandez uh, unless you're going to play him. But you don't trade for Ahmed Rosario unless you're going to play him, right? Wasn't he the centerpiece? Maybe, but maybe Jim Jimenez was the centerpiece. I mean, you're getting you're getting a couple of pieces there. I don't know. I I understand why he's down there at 435. There's definitely upside. I mean, if he can put it together, I think that's a that's a spring training stats situation where I'd be really interested to see how things go for the Indians. You know, is Mercado going to do as badly as he did the year? I mean, you know, you look at these guys in 2019, Mercado was like the rising star, top 100 dynasty piece. And then last year he hit 127, you know, I mean, so who knows? There's a lot of moving pieces, I guess at 435, it's a real bargain, maybe even at 351, but he's not been a target for me. Um, in, in AL labor, he was taken, I think he went for $13. Brett Sayre and, um, Tristan Cockroft really got into a battle over him. And Cockroft got him. I'm pretty sure. I think, I'm pretty sure Cockroft got him. No, no, no. Brett Sayre got him for $13. So, uh, there's upside from those two guys' perspective. Man, I mean, like, we're, like, we're talking about a guy. If you believe MLB's pipeline ratings, Rosario was a number five prospect in all of baseball in 2017. I mean, he was top 10 for baseball America. And baseball prospectus. Really? I mean, like it's not like he's not a slouch. He's only twenty five. You know, it's not like this is like a twenty nine year old. He, he had his chances 10. cut. He but was. He dude. Really? He was. He was ten in Baseball America. He was five in MLB and eight in Baseball Prospectus. Wow. Yeah. You know what's interesting too with Rosario is that when he was a prospect, I never liked him as much as a lot of the real baseball prospect analysts like him. So, I mean, people that rank for right. fantasy purposes probably liked Rosario because there's some power and some speed. But I think what really popped for him in the eyes of people evaluating from just a real baseball perspective was the defense and the arm and the speed. Because I'm looking at the Fangraphs grades. These are from 2017. I love that Fangraphs keeps these on the player pages, by the way. It's just a really, yeah, it's really I'm looking at the same. It's a really good way to look back. It's interesting to me that Ahmed Rosario was a future value 65 player when he didn't have any tools that were at that level. It was like they took everything and rounded up on the future value, which is it's something that I think you do when you get to see the player. And sometimes you see this with pitchers going the other way, especially, and usually it's the command that's short. You see two or three pitches that are above average pitches, but then you see below average command and you see a below average future value and you're like, what the heck? Like this doesn't even average out correctly. Well, it's not really an average. And I think Ahmed Rosario is kind of proof that you know sometimes what they're looking for is a little bit different. I think it's belief that he was going to be a big leaguer for a long time, play mm-hmm. somewhere up the middle, whether that's shortstop, maybe second base or center field, whatever that ends up being, that he would at least be good enough defensively to play in the big leagues for a long time. The hit tool was always the question, a 40-grade hit tool way back in 2017. I think he's kind of league average in that regard. I mean, he's keeping the K rate close to 20% for his career. He's at 20.8%. He's never been really patient. He's always been young for the level. I think that's probably factored into that future value grade too, right? I mean, you think about it, Ian. If he was playing... Mm-hmm. And double A, he debuted at double A as a 19 year old late in 2015. That's really young for the level. So it's possible we haven't seen his best season yet. But even if he just took the best parts of what he did in 18 and 19 and somehow put that together over a full season, people would be really happy. And he doesn't even have to do that at the price to be a decent pick. Yep. I, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. All right. All right, Nando. I'm at Rosario, yo. Well, I don't want to be the guy carrying the Rosario flag. I mean, like, if he was going at, like, three. You just picked it right, up. I'll take you it, then. You just picked the flag. <laughs> Let's see. You just you got it. <laughs> go, get, go get the refractors. 
ebay.com. There we go. If, I, if I'm not paying attention for the next 10 minutes, it's because I'm looking this up. Okay. Um, so two more. Uh, DVR bolded another one down number five. Uh, two more players that I think are being underrated uh, that I guess he agrees with. Amir Garrett and Archie Bradley. And I scribbled them down without actually looking up their ADPs. But I know they're low enough where, like, we're pretty late in Tout Wars in the, the what? draft. Wait, 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 wait. Why do you put the accent there? Yeah. What was that? Tout Wars. Tout Wars? You're not the first people who have said this, and I don't think I'm saying anything weird. You're saying it weird. It's Tout Wars. It's not Tout Wars. I've told the story about Sophie's Choice. Remember, I told that story about that woman that I dated who put the thing on Sophie's Choice, and I said, it's Sophie's Choice. It's about her choice, not about Sophie. It's Sophie's Choice. I think you it's just about Sophie. Tout She's wars. the one who has to make the choice. Yeah, it's a war, the wars of touts. No, it ended the relationship, no. if I remember that story correctly. You are correct. It, it kind of did. I was like, this isn't going to work. I mean, yeah, this is We can't isn't. continue down this I path. mean, it's just not going to go long term. Let's put it that way. It, it didn't end the relationship right away. But I was like, you know, there's that moment where you're dating somebody and you're like, yeah, this is great, but I'm not marrying you. Like, we're not going to get married if you're going to call it Sophie's Choice. And I'm having that feeling right now. Tout wars. Tout wars. That's, tout wars. It's interesting. I know we well. Let's 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 just take a half moment to to decide this. Is it te- no? It is tout wars. It's not tout wars. It's tout wars. I, it's not going to change the way I say it because it's it's in my head now. But it, tout wars. It's tout wars. Whatever. It's the wars of tout. Not tout so. wars. Tout wars. Yeah. There wars you go. That's better. Touts. All right. Whatever. Let's like come on. Right. People don't want to hear okay. this. Yeah, they do. The point is, <laughs> uh, first of all, Med Rosario's rookie card is being it's cheap. Then you know what? If we're, we're Ryland Bannoning it up, let's Ahmed Rosario it up. I, it's interesting. I have one more pick coming up in TGFBI, um, in the TGFBI draft, and I'm going to go see if Ahmed Rosario is there because actually I also have Andres Jimenez on this team. I don't get maybe maybe I'm like hanging out with Vaquero too much and him just taking Mets all the time, but like <laughs> I think I have a totally skewed view of well maybe not because DVR agrees with me, but like Rosario, I like I thought Rosario's gone. Was the next big thing and is about, you know, still has time to be the next big thing. Yeah, that's, you know what? There's a lot of value there. I want to see where Rosario went because um, it's worth a look. In this league, Ahmed Rosario. Talk amongst yourselves while I find it. And <laughs> All right, DVR. <laughs> Let's take a look at Amir Garrett and Archie Bradley and why you agreed. Is that where so you're I'm going? So I'm very, very slowly opening the Glarf draft room. It's a uh, Great Lakes area rotisserie fantasy league i think i talked about it a little bit last week the mm-hmm. closers fell a lot the the bottom tier closers which i think you can get to put amir garrett and archie bradley in that third fourth tier where, wherever you want to draw your lines both of them could just take their job and run with it i think garrett has more intriguing skills to me so if i only get my choice of one it's garrett i think the addition of sean doolittle actually makes it easier for the reds to justify using garrett later in games because they have another lefty they could bring in a little earlier. I do wonder if Cincinnati might be one of those teams that steers closer to a committee, but uh, I'm, I'm with you. I think both of those guys are falling a little more than they should. They're viable options when you're looking for that third source of saves in mixed leagues. It's Yeah, it's, the way I'm looking at it is, well, Garrett, you know, last man standing, big dude. Derek Johnson, the pitching coach, is amazing. Like if, if you look at what Derek Johnson has done since he came in in 2019 at the K per nine rates of those pitchers, and what they were and what they are now. And you could pick out Ed, like Sonny Gray, like, you know, stuff like that. Um, it, Derek Johnson's amazing. And I think he can turn Amir Garrett into a big, tall weapon as a closer. Um, and Archie Bradley, I mean, they paid for him. They brought him in. I don't, you know. How much do they pay, though? 
I mean, they didn't, by the way, Ahmed Rosario in the 18th round. So he was taken quite early, uh, comparably by Dan Strafford, uh, and not bad in the same area as Austin Riley, Jonathan Scope. So he might have needed speed. Um, I like Amir Garrett as a closer. I think he's, I think he's tough. I remember back to, I think it was a couple of years ago where he, he's, I think, you know, I, I got on Puig for starting a fight against the whole Pittsburgh Pirates team last year when he was on the, on the Reds. But I remember Garrett, he, he's, he's, he's got the uh, interesting attitude for a closer. I think it's a good fit for him. I really do. Um, and he's got good stuff. So I, 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 if I had to choose between Bradley and Garrett, I would go with Garrett as well. For a basketball player, St. John's. Yeah, yeah. St. All John's. Right. All right. All right. We hit yeah. on them. Um, just a couple notes, and you guys stop me where you want, and then we'll get into our teams. I'll just I'll just run down the list here. Uh, Jake Bowers, DVR favorite, uh, has a 463 OBP this spring and hasn't gotten hit, though. But, <laughs> look, dude, still, I mean, he's still in contention to win the first base job. Mm, is he? Yeah, he is. is he? Yeah. By the way, has roster resource been down for you guys? No, it's up. For some reason, like I, maybe it was last night when I was doing it, it just wasn't putting the full page on. I tried in a couple of browsers. I feel it's, so lost when I don't have roster resource. Roster resource is really good. I mean, right now on roster resource, Bowers is the first baseman. But then it, you know, if Bowers can't quite pull it off, what you're going to see, Jordan Luplo is going to get some time against lefties. Um, but Josh Naylor is going to move then to first base, which is his natural position, which would make a lot of sense. I think a lot of it hinges on Mercado. I think if Mercado can can hold down that everyday job. You're going to have Eddie Rosario every day in left field. There's no question about that. Um, but then where Jake Bowers goes is going to, is going to tell the tale. And then maybe let's say, let's say Bowers doesn't make the cut. Naylor's going to play. They're going to put Naylor at first base. Then maybe there's another spot there for Ahmed Rosario to do a, you know, he, he could end up playing quite a bit. Put him out in the outfield. Yeah, for sure. He's athletic enough to take care of that. I'd be curious to know if he's been taking fly balls or not. I don't know. That's a good. That's a good question. That's a Zach Mizell question. Okay, let's reach out to Zach. No, but yeah, Jake Bowers. You I mean, four sixty three OBP this spring, zero batting average. That's yeah, that's pretty uh, pretty interesting. Well, see, to me, that's important because he's walking. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like someone who's not swinging the bat well, which like, he kind of is. But I mean, I mean, he's he, not swinging the bat well. But he <laughs> right, but he, is, but I mean, he has the upside of he's taking walks. You know, he's showing some patience and he's being selective with what he's trying to hit. <laughs> or maybe he's like that kid on the on the little league team where you're like, take a strike, take two strikes. <laughs> You gotta right. walk. It's yeah. the only way you're getting on. No, only take one strike. Never take two strikes. Uh, yeah, uh, remember that as a little league kid. Yeah, no, 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 and don't take a strike till it's two and zero, and then take a strike. Take a strike. What are you doing? It's little league. Um, yeah. You haven't talked right, to so you haven't mentioned little league. In little league weeks. is coming back up. Yeah. I just got off the phone with the commissioner talking about uh, this coming season. Very excited about it. Uh, very excited about it. It's gonna be great. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. All about the kids having a good time and growing. That's what it's about. Oh, sorry. I was going to say if you want to say any of their names on air, so DVR can edit them out before we. <laughs> Mr. Contreras, I'm telling you. No, it's fine. No. <laughs> I was joking. Hey. Oh, sorry. It's fine. You can totally. Mr. Contreras, listen, the commissioner told me earlier today that Mr. Contreras wrote in the email, um, I know that it's not, you can't really ask to be on a team, but if you can put my son back on Ian's team, that would be very helpful because he learned and grew so much as a player and as a person. So that's Mr. Contreras. And what would Ariel Cohen say back to him? Well, you know, it's very hard to make sure that, I, that we got to save that. All it's, right, it's, okay. it's, 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 it's the dessert. We can't do it too soon. You just can't do it. DVR, let's talk a little Nomar Mazzara. Um, he had some interesting really quotes. Yeah. I, like, I, I'm intrigued by Nomar Mazzara. Um, he had COVID. Well, first of all, like going back to before last year, 
before before last year. Um, he talked about how he had a thumb injury in Texas for like a year and a half and never got it corrected. And then coming into last year, he got it corrected. He, I think he had surgery and had a regular offseason. He was ready to go. Uh, and then he got COVID. And then everything was delayed. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Everything was delayed. And then he got COVID. Uh, so here's his quote. Last year was probably the first year I felt like nothing was working for me. If it would have been a long season, I would have been like, let me work on this. In my mind, there was no time to do it. And the numbers bear this out. You look at the last five games and the couple playoff games, and he was hitting the ball well. So now Nomar Mazzara is on Detroit, and poor probably Christian Stewart uh, gets bumped. I would assume that's that's who's losing the playing time. But, uh, Nomar, so Nomar Mazzara, new home in Detroit, uh, has shown some promise before. DVR, is this, uh, you know, again, I didn't look up the ADP like I should have, but let's just assume it's like 500. I mean, I think he's lower than Med Rosario. So big value here, DVR. I mean, he's probably going to play a lot. I think there's a good chance there's some value. Yeah, he's outside the top 450. He's still available in my TGFBI league, and we're in the 26th round. So could be a bench outfielder in 15-team in mixed leagues. I think the interesting thing with the Tigers is how they handle the playing time in the outfield between Mazzara, Victor Reyes, and Jacoby Jones. And Mazzara can't play center field. Reyes and Jones both can. But obviously, Reyes could play in right if they want to sit Mazzara in different situations. But here's the thing that's blowing my mind right now. I didn't realize this until I just put it on the screen. Victor Reyes is older than Nomar Mazzara. <laughs> We've seen Mazzara in the big leagues for, I think, five years now. He hasn't ever taken that step forward we were hoping for. You know, maybe we're at the point now where... He's not going to be the player we expected him to be back when he debuted in, in 2016, but I think he can bounce back to the player that he was in 2018, 2019. He was kind of a metronome guy, like 20 home runs every year, 250, 260 average, not a great OBP, but you put that guy sixth in a rebuilding lineup, let him play nearly every day, sit him against tough lefties, and you end up getting pretty good numbers at the end of the year. And if he does unlock that last thing that made him a top 30, top 40 prospect on some lists uh, prior to his debut, then the Tigers you know, found a really nice uh, player they can maybe flip or, or possibly have back in, in 2022. I mean, they can build around Mazzara if he, if he turns into it. My problem with Mazzara, and he was even higher than that. He was a top 20 prospect. He, he was a bat. He, he, was, he was being talked about back in the day as like a special bat, right? And he kept moving up and he was, Texas really pushed him and he, he got up really early. And my problem with Mazzara is the shift. Also, my problem with Mazzara is Ro Robbie Grossman's there too. Right, so Robbie Grossman's going to play. AJ they signed Hinchka. him to a contract. Victor Reyes is going to play. Jacoby Jones is going to play. But it's the shift. No more Mazzara hitting into the shift is really problematic because he just hits into the shift. You know, it's like when Mark Teixeira's career ended because of the shift. I just think that Mazzara. I mean, maybe maybe it happens for him this year. Um, I, I'll be rooting for him, but I won't be. He, you know, Glenn Colton. Bottom with Rick Wolf in AL Labor for three dollars. I think that's a fine price for him. I think that's about what he's worth at this point in an AL only. By the way, to give Glenn Colton a little bit of crap, I spoke to him this weekend in preparation for AL Labor, and he said, "You know, Ian, like everyone else has like really nice sounds, and mine's just like a like what's that about?" And I was like, "Are you serious? You're complaining about your? You can't complain about your? Come on, man! Sure, you can. That's him. <laughs> Glenn's the best." I love Glenn Colton. Get him a new nice. sound. All right. All right. Let's 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 figure out a new sound for Glenn Colton. Can't just bellow all rise. Mm, now, let's get an actual gavel. He has, he has a gavel, doesn't he? Yeah, I do. I have a gavel. It's behind him. No. 
I, it's by the I wig. Mean, it's by George Washington wig. <laughs> you really want Ian to wear the wig for an episode? Yeah, yeah. I do. Man. It ain't never. That is not gonna happen. No, that is not gonna happen. The wig. The wig is retired. The wig is happily retired. If I ever play the part again, they're gonna have to give me a new wig because it ain't gonna be that one. That mm. that wig has done its job. But anyway, <laughs> no more Mazzara. That's that's where I am on no more Mazzara. But yeah, there's upside there. I mean, if you can get them, a good place to get them is one of the fifty. You know, the fifty round NFBCs. Grab them in the thirty fifth, thirty eighth round. Who knows? He might really bring some value. He could. He could. He I, could I, unlock it. We I, do believe. We you can believe in that. I feel like he will. You know. Well, okay. I mean, uh, have I mean you, yeah. maybe, maybe. I I I give it a eighteen percent chance. I'll take it. Okay. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. By the way, Ian's Dynasty rankings on the site are blowing up. Uh, We've seen behind-the-scenes numbers, and it's been quite the success for Ian Khan. Well, that's nice. You knew that was going to happen. I didn't. Well, no, but what what I know is that I haven't... The problem we have is on comments... They don't like. I don't know when I get a new comment, so I've got to like remember to go back because I do very much enjoy responding to people's questions, and I've gotten a lot of them. And so, but my problem is that that I forget, and then like then someone responds to one of my responses, so I like I got to go through the whole thing again. But yeah, no, it's really great. It's really fun. I've I've, I've had a great time, and and now I'm looking, and yes, okay, 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 yeah, yeah, okay. I've got a lot of things I got to answer. Oh, that, oh, that wasn't that like right a passive aggressive way of telling you you got to answer some comments. I was saying Ian's dynasty rankings get a lot of love. Yeah, well, here here is someone who makes an excellent point, and this is new. Sorry, I'm just catching up now. Cannot understand how you have Royce Lewis on both lists out of a dozen players with more current and future value. You are right because this list dropped about an hour before Royce Lewis went bye bye for the year. So I, I I should probably update that, um, but I just don't have access to it. And Nando's like, well, just just text me and I'll change it for you. So I I'm yeah. officially going to text you and say <laughs> we got to get Royce Lewis off the list. Uh, right. Certainly in the top, yeah. But actually, sure. do text me because I'll forget when we're done with the show. Okay, very good. Because I, I got yeah, I've got yeah, I've got a million things. You know, make sure you don't say any kids' names. Move on to the next topic. Make sure DVR gets to talk. And make sure we get an Ariel Cohen uh, impersonation in here. It's coming. Ariel. Oh, it's coming. Yeah, I know. It's coming. Uh, so, okay. No more Mazzara. Mark that one down. Um, I looked at walks. I just wanted to see, like, this is actually off the Jake Bowers thing. I'm like, all right, so he's walking. Who else is walking? Um, there was a very interesting name on there. And let me just, like, there's Akil Badu, who I think uh, um, Cody Stavenhagen wrote about. Uh, he's our Detroit writer, uh, which, by the way, if you subscribe for Ian's Dynasty ranks, you get all this included in your athletic subscription. Um, but Cody Stavenhagen, and also, by the way, there's a lot of March Madness stuff coming, including a very cool 
uh, guy we brought on, Peter Keating, who used to be at ESPN, did the Giant Killers thing. He's got this new one called Slingshot that he does with his Furman math team. He's already identified like potential 11 to 16 seeds that can pull off upsets. So that's nice. also included in your athletic subscription. But go to Ian's page and, and subscribe through that if you want to do it. I think it's got the best offer right now. Um, anyway, so there's this guy, Akil Badu, who uh, Cody was writing like Detroit kind of likes him. So I mean, mm-hmm. throw him into the mix too. Akil Badu would be an interesting pickup in Dynasty Leagues because he's going to be in the majors and he's young. I mean, he's 21 years old. Well, if right? I keep him, he's going to be in the majors. No, no, he's a rule five. They're going to have to keep him. Yeah, but they can send him back if they don't. They're not going to send him back. They oh. like him. Okay. So he's, you know, he's in spring training so far. He has really done quite well and he runs. Like if you look at Kilbadu in 2018, he was 19 years old in low A, stole 24 bases in 517 in 437 at-bats, not bad, and 11 home runs, and 11 triples, which is kind of fun. But 24 stolen bases plus only five caught stealings, not bad. Interesting player. Very interesting. I mean, not, not amazing, but interesting. He wasn't He wasn't the one. Um, and also, so the, Rylan Bannon was on there. He's tied for the lead with five walks. He's also doing some stuff. He is, man. He really is. You know, (laughs) makes me laugh every time. (laughs) I'm like, Ryland Bennett, another good day. Wow. Look at that. (laughs) Joe Adele has five walks. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know, like, he's not not exactly under the radar, but I do think, like, he's he's that guy who can, well, I mean, you know, he's like on the, he's the face of tops, basically. But I mean, maybe for fantasy purposes and where he is in terms of ADP. And if you just kind of woke up and you're like, this guy, Joe Adele, goes pretty low in ADP. we kind of ticketed him for superstardom. He disappointed last year. I mean, Mike Trout disappointed his first call up too. He hit like 210. You know, like not everybody's perfect. Um, Ian, like Joe Adele walking five times. I know we all say spring training stats don't matter. I don't does, say that. Does something like that matter? Oh, then go. Please, yes. Go. Uh, no, I don't say that. I, I, I look at spring training stats. I think that teams look at spring training stats, especially on the margins like this, right? So uh, Joe Madden said Adele is definitely going down to the minor leagues. That is actually like the best thing that he could have done. For his for for Joe Adele and for his confidence, because all of a sudden now he doesn't have to press as much. It's not like I got to make the team. I got to make the team. He's not going to make the team right out of right out of uh, right out of spring training. And I think uh, you know Cockroft got him for three bucks in the AL labor. I think it's a pretty good pretty good price. I could see him coming up in. He's definitely somebody. I just drafted him TGFBI. I'm going to stash him. Maybe he comes up in June because Dexter Fowler is not going to you know light the world on fire in right field. Um, a lot of moving parts still, <laughs> but yeah, no, Joe Adele, we weren't the only one that ticketed him for superstardom. I mean, BP. No, I'm not saying it was us. I'm saying like everybody was. Oh yeah. Because yeah. BP has had him as the number one prospect in baseball last year. Um, and they still believe in him in that same level. They just say, Hey, look, he's going through his process. He'll get there. He's going to grow up. We talked about this on the show from the beginning, freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, senior year, right? The baseball players break it up into like three year categories. He is a freshman, man. He is like playing with the big boys for the first time, just finding his feet. It's look, I'm buying Joe Adele in Dynasty Leagues because he's still cheap. He is still cheap. How cheap it's is he? Time actually. to buy. I think that's a good question. What, what is the Joe Adele street value right now? Like what can you get him for for real? Uh, I would say right now on the, I, I, I think I'm pretty high on him still, but on the win now list here, we have him at 79. Right, so uh, you can you can get him for Kettle Marte based on this list. I'd do that. TVR, would you do that? Yeah, I would. I think I would too. 
a guy on this list at 73 on the win now list is a guy who's going to be going up quite a bit higher. And this is actually, he's not on the rundown, but I'm just going to throw him in there. Hello, Bobby Wood Jr. Hello, Mr. Bobby Wood Jr. Are you going to be the starting second baseman for the Kansas City Royals at the age of 19 because you might be the best player on that whole darn team already with a 480-foot home run yesterday that went like over and over and over every fence? It wasn't like it was 500, though. You know? Yeah. Okay, but it was 484 from a 19-year-old. He's starting again, leading off at second base. I would I would not be like if if he had hit that home run last week, he would have been he would have been rostered in AL only. He is now not rostered in AL only. He will be rostered in AL only. I mean, he and if if he's playing, open up your op, open it up, man. Like grab him. In fact, I might grab him as my last pick in TGFBI just on the possible upside that he could start the season up. It's not impossible. He's really good. We do. We have- knew he was really good. I, I I drafted him in the BP. I'm doing the BP uh, prospect draft, which is kind of fun to finally be asked to be a part of that. <clears throat> and I had the 11th pick and I took Bobby Wood Jr. Very happily at 11. I like it. I like it too. I like it a lot. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that, that was the note on Joe Adele. Um, Franklin Barreto has three doubles this spring. Then I just went and looked at the spring stats to see what else was happening. I think doubles are kind of telling. I mean, I get it. You know, like home runs, whatever, whatever. But like doubles, you're making good contact with the ball. Franklin mm-hmm. Barreto has three doubles. He's in the mix for a starting job still. No, he's not. Come on. No, he's not. Who's going to start? Tommy Edmonds? Just because you love Tommy Where is he going to start? Second base. For David Fletcher is going to start second David base. David Fletcher is going to start second base. Franklin Barreto is. I bet you a bottle of rhubarb. I bet you a bottle of rhubarb. I do have an interesting uh, Franklin Barreto story. Uh, I drafted him as my last pick in the reserve round, and there's a reason why, and it's kind of clever. I'm excited to tell you about it. Go. Tell you now? Okay. Well, <laughs> No, uh, wait. <laughs> oh, wait. Okay. Go no, ahead. Tell yes, us now. Come on. Oh. So Franklin Barreto is my, was my last pick because um, as I was going through and doing the reserves – I realized I had bought David uh, Fletcher. I got a good deal on David Fletcher for $9 in an ale only. And that's pretty good, right? And I'll talk a little bit about the overall values and 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 the hot spots, as they say. And I got Jose Iglesias for $4 in an ale only. So I realized I have David Fletcher and Jose Iglesias. I have the starting middle infield for the Angels. So with my last pick, I had a choice. I could have taken Tyler Wade, which I was strongly <laughs> considering. <laughs> but I decided to go with Franklin Barreto. And here's why. Because if either one of those two guys goes down, Iglesias or Fletcher, Barreto goes right in at second base. Iglesias, Iglesias gets hurt a lot too. And then Fletcher goes to short. And, and then I've got my backup sitting here. And it was the only position that I didn't have protected was second base. So that's why I made the choice to go with Barreto at the end. I like it. I think it's. I wise. thought you'd be happy because no, it's your I, boy. They were, hey, they were both on our team last year. Iglesias was too. Uh, oh, and, um, I think he was. Okay, well there you go. But I now had a lot Barreto, of Iglesias last year. But I, I, I think Barreto, like he's gonna, have, like if he does not get the job after that, they're going to release him. Like yeah. they traded Jamey Jones. Like they're putting Barreto in a position that he can succeed. Well, That's three what doubles. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, DVR, two more sleepers I, I want to throw into the mix. Maybe not sleepers, but guys who are going lower than I think they should. Um, Christian Pash and Enrique Hernandez. Uh, Hernandez is kind of a, a, well, ish, kind of a known commodity-ish. Um, but uh, Chad Jennings, in one of his previews, has Enrique Hernandez batting leadoff for the Red Sox. Yep. And that's a good, I mean, like, I know the Red Sox sucked last year or whatever. And, you know, their rotation was terrible. 
But that that lineup is pretty stacked and loaded, man. The Red Sox lineup is good. And Alex Cora is back. Um, and this guy batting leadoff and being able to play second base, then maybe Christian Arroyo plays second in the mailbag. Jennings said, you know, that'll just shift Hernandez to the outfield, move some things around. Um, you know, I think that's just a case of someone going too low. Uh, Christian Pash is a guy who David O'Brien said should win that center field job. I think he said something like he'd be very surprised if he didn't. I mean, that's also a very potent lineup that he'll be a part of. Um, DVR, do you like these guys at all? Am I, you know, am I looking too deep into things or uh, what? I can't see what Chad sees in Kike Hernandez. I don't know why they would lead him off. He's got a career 313 OBP. I, I just, I think he's a bottom third of the order guy. I think he's helpful for them. They got him and Marwin, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, where they can play those guys all over the place. They've got good depth. I do think that lineup as a whole is probably a little better than people are giving it credit for. It's not where it was, of course, with Mookie Betts and, and David Ortiz both there a couple years ago, but I think JD can bounce back. I think Bobby Dahlback's pretty interesting for cheap power. Mm-hmm. Alex Verdugo is, is very solid. I think Verdugo is the guy that's going to lead off, so uh, that's that's to me like almost in ink as far as your, your Red Sox lineup construction goes. Uh, but Christian Pache, I mean... It's interesting that there's such a, a there's such a split on him in the fantasy community versus the real evaluators, totally. much like there might have been with Ahmed Rosario years ago. Like Pache mm-hmm. should be a Gold Glove center fielder for a long time, right? So that that gives him a ton of opportunities to play, regardless of what happens with his bat. But I wondered <clears> if <throat> I was maybe guilty of overlooking just how good he was during his time at Double A in 2019. He was 20 years old at Double A. Christian Pache put up a 134 WRC plus, so 34% better than league average. It was over about two thirds of a full season, so 104 games. It wasn't like he did it for 30 games, and that was the best he ever was over a limited sample. I just wonder if if the the bat is following the glove. Like the glove has always been advanced, the feel's always been good, so he keeps moving up, and it all could click because the pie in the sky sort of expectation for Pache is that aside from gold glove defense, you might get a 2020 player someday. And I'm coming around on that. Whereas previously I wasn't really on board with that sort of ceiling. I could see that. I like her. I like Hernandez more um, than uh, I, Hernandez interests me. I like the idea that he's going to a new team. I think he is going to play every day. His hard hit rate is 71%. Um, his outs above average 78%, not, uh, DVR is right. His walk rate is low. His K rate isn't so bad though. He's fast. I love the way he plays the game. He plays with his heart. Um, I think that Boston's really going to like him. I think that there's real upside here late in drafts. Christian Pache, I think Ender Inciarte is going to be, uh, getting some time there. So I, I I'm a little less bullish on him personally. Um, but I, I would go with Kike. Between those two. Oh, I wasn't thinking between that. I, I think they're on two different levels. I think I got the same concerns DVR has about we don't know what this Pache bat is going to be. Yeah, that's how I feel. I, I, I'd i like to see it. I'd like to see it first. One guy that's not on the rundown again, and he's real under the radar, but he is under the radar, is Shohei Otani. If you didn't see him pitch this weekend, take the, take the eight minutes and go find it on YouTube. He pitched one and two thirds and struck out all five guys. His stuff is obscene. He, he could be, I, I grabbed him in TGFBI um, in like the 18th round or something. Like he, he was just falling and falling and falling. And I was like, you know what? I was going to, I was almost going to do a Nando DeFino move oh. and wait till he pitched to make my pick. 
And I said, you know what? That's I'm just I I can't do that. So I'm just going to take Otani. That's not and a then move. He pitched. That, that's not a move. <laughs> no, it is a move. No. That's your move. No, no. I said that's I can understand that strategy. I don't do it, but I can understand okay. it. Okay, but but I almost did it in that spot, and then I was like, no, you know what? I'm just going to take him I'm, because going back, and then I traded for him in a dynasty league on Saturday after I saw him pitch or Sunday because I saw him pitch on Saturday, and then I said, you know what? I'm trading for him because I think he could be. I think he could be a top. Pitcher was that that's buying all, that's high? Was that buying high? Would you consider that? Or I that- don't know. I mean, Tioscar straight up for Otani in the dynasty league. Who am I selling? Who's buying high and who's buying low? I don't know. The person, the person getting Tioscar is buying high. I mean, how much? How much better can he get than he's been? He's pretty good though. Over he's nineteen still, and twenty. But I, those stat cast, those stat cast numbers on Tioscar are no joke. I mean, he he is he's up there with Marcelo Zuna in terms of stat cast. But I wanted Otani. He wanted Tioscar. We found our deal. I also gave him Stephen Brault. Who, when I drafted in that league, Eno sent me a, a, a cursing text that I had taken his bolt. Um, so I also added that, and I got Miguel Vargas back in the deal as well, who's a, a third baseman in the Dodger system that I do like. All right. Yeah, I'm I'm not on Teoscar Hernandez in Dynasty at all. I think that's a huge windfall trading him away and getting back Otani because okay. there's so many ways Otani could be amazing for a long time, and yep. Teoscar has run a 30% K rate for his career. He's already 28 years old. Yeah, maybe it lasts for a year or two, but this is not a skill set that's going to age well. I don't think we're going to be talking about Teoscar Hernandez as a good fantasy player four or five years from now. Okay. I obviously agree to a certain extent. No, I agree to a certain extent. I made the trade. I made the phone call to him to say, hey, let's make this trade. I'd like to (laughs) – you you have – because he had Otani. Look, this is another thing for Dynasty Leagues, right? Look at the other team. See where he has players, or she, where they have players. See where they have the players. He had Otani in a util spot, not in a pitcher spot. I'm buying the pitcher. I want the pitcher. I'll take the hitter, too, but I want the pitcher. I think he could be, I I don't want to say this, but I think if things go right for him, 30% chance he could be a top 10 pitcher in baseball. 30% chance. Steve Gardner, our friend Steve Gardner, I spoke to him. He was asked who his MVP was going to be this year in the American League, and he said, Shohei Otani. That's who he thinks is gonna. He 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 put Shohei Otani up there, and he and I were fighting in AL labor, and he pulled an Aaron Judge trick on me again, where I thought I had him at fifteen, and then he just slipped in to sixteen. I was like, all right, oh, you hate that, it. don't stop. When someone gone on going twice, and someone just pops in, going once, going twice, that's when he pops him. Really <laughs> on makes the you hate that person, right? Uh, well, I Steve Gardner's my partner and my friend, so no, I don't hate him. But this look, one what thing before we, what if, if you he had your own teams, yeah. Then I would be I, I would I would go damn. But look at the stack cast numbers. Just one thing on Tioscar, like let's not write his obituary yet. His hard hit his exit velocity, 98 percentile, hard hit 96 percentile, XWOBA 95 percentile, barrel rate 98 percentile, X slug 97, X batting average 92. That's really good. Sprint speed 85. So he's not done. He's still a still a really good player. Yeah. I think the hype might have gotten a little too much, though. I, I think, traded. I think, yeah, well, right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think it's, it's all about perception. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you think you're, like, there's someone out there like me who doesn't believe in Teoscar Hernandez, which kind of keeps his price kind of low. Um, you know, maybe, maybe he's on my team and I don't like him, and he just, it's just the way it landed. I took a shot on him like three years ago when he was supposed to be huge, and now I'm willing to sell because he was just kind of meh. You know. Well, we traded for we traded for him before last year because I was really, if you remember, I was really high on Teoscar last year yeah. going into the season, and I traded 
my partner Wilson Caraman and I traded Christian Vasquez straight up for T Oscar. That was the that was the in a one catcher league. Um, and because T Oscar was on his bench, so I was like, he's not so high on T Oscar. Look at the other team's rosters. The the owner for Otani had him in a util spot. So I said, okay, he's thinking of him as a hitter. I'm going to give him a better hitter than I would take T Oscar the hitter over Otani the hitter because Otani's only going to hit four or five days a week at most, right? He's not going to hit when he pitches. So I'm p- playing off of that. And I go, oh, you you need a bat. You don't have Otani as a pitcher. Your pitching is good. You're looking for a bat. I'm going to give you a better bat for Otani and I'm going to take the value there or what I think is value. We'll see. All right. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Um, one more thing before we get to Ian's uh, part of the show. Hunter Green, and Ian, I, I, I don't want to specifically hit you with this, but DVR is also doing a, a whole, a very big, large piece on rookies, um, you know, fantasy rookies, fantasy impact yeah. rookies. So maybe this is for both of you, but... A couple days ago, a few days ago, whenever it was, Hunter Green was dealing like 102, 103 miles an hour, and everyone was buzzing about it. Um, And I just want to know what that does for his stock in Dynasty. Like, I know a lot of people probably, you know, went and looked at Hunter Green, took a look at his, his, well, Roto World, whatever, NBC Sports Edge page, um, Roto Wire, Roto Baller, and just tried to look up what was going on with this guy because, you know, he's been hurt, he's been up and down, he was a top prospect, um, and now he's just gassing. What's the take? What's the what's our takeaway from this? Actually, I think we're probably at that part of the Hunter Green recovery where the price is shooting back up really quickly again. And I mean, he's one of those guys he would have pitched in the minors somewhere last year because he had surgery and missed in 2019, right? So the lost minor league season kind of just gives us this open question of well, how much did he progress at the alternate site and how much did he progress on his own in 2020? If he had come back last year and there had been a minor league season, I imagine they would have set him to high A, at least to begin the year, and maybe he would have reached double A. And if he had reached double A in 2020, he'd be on the radar for a possible 
2021 debut. So I think he could get here a little sooner than expected. I wonder, you know, long term, how how likely is he to stick as a starter? I imagine they think he's absolutely going to stick as a starter. They took him second overall back in 2017. Uh, but I, I wonder if they want to bring him up even sooner and just use him as part of their bullpen and eventually stretch him back out down the road. I like Hunter Green a lot. Hunter Green is good. Hunter Green, when he came out, not just not just the pedigree, not just the arm, but also the kid, the young man. He's not a kid anymore, but the young man. He's just he. I like Hunter Green an awful lot. Uh, I have a certain regret that in XFL that I trade. I, I did not keep him in XFL. Um, that might be something that I'm going to have to fix <laughs> going into the draft. Um, I, I do like Hunter Green an awful lot. I think he, I think he has a lot of upside. I think he's going to be a starter, and I think he could be really, really good. The only question about him sometimes is that he throws hard as heck, but it, is the ball just a little bit too straight? That's right. that's my concern. Yeah, that that does come up sometimes with the the triple digit fastballs. Like they're so fast, they don't necessarily have movement. And because players now, what they're doing is they're ramping up the pitching machines to 105, 103. That's why people can, can you know, hit 101, 102 in a way that five years ago they weren't. Maybe maybe that didn't just start, but I'm noticing that that's something that they're doing quite a bit of. And you're seeing people who can catch up. But, but I like Hunter Green. I like just so much about him. All right. Uh, well, actually, before I move on, I, I don't want to just give that an all right. Are you going to move it like with this? Any of these performances going to be like, all right, maybe I should bump them up like 15 spots in the old dynasty rankings? Yes. Yes. I mean, Bobby Witt is going to go up in the dynasty rankings. There's no question. When are we going to have that update? Uh, well, they update right before the season, I think. Right. I don't think we want to update it anytime. We, can, we can't update it every week. I feel like dynasty like, drafts are kind of almost over right now. Right. Yeah, but dynasty trades are not. And these lists should be used for dynasty trades. That's what they're for. And let me just say this again. Well, we got to get Royce loose out of there. Yeah, so we, we got to do an but, update anyway. I mean, might as well throw a couple extras if you want. Oh, um, yeah, okay. Right. Um, but the rebuild list is not to be used for trades. I want to say that again. Like, if you use the rebuild list for trades, you're really hurting yourself. You've got to use the win now prices. Use the win now prices. Got it. Okay. All right. Just had to say that again. Uh, now it's time for the Ian part of the show. No, you got to do Jose De Leon real quick. No, I was going to. That's just a throwaway if we were, if we had time. Don't worry about. Okay. It. All right. There's more important. Th- like AL, I think people want to get AL only pricing out there you know well um look man i was sitting at a table on sunday with and and dvr did saturday right i mean dvr just give a quick recap just in case there are people who haven't heard rates and barrels um what's it what's it like to sit at that table even though it's virtual you're playing with the best players in the game wouldn't you say best you know for for trading leagues i'm not going to talk about nfbc i don't want to get into all that about like you know what's real what's not you know but for nf for for trading leagues you sat you were sitting at the table with some of the best players in the game what's that like for you it's always a challenge because i i think this room doesn't miss anything i think there's one area that i was surprised by though the the prices of, of second tier pitching so if you look yeah. at, at steven strasberg i think at the high end of that range was a 16 dollar buy for Steve Gardner, and then like Sixto Sanchez was down at 11 for some reason. Uh, that group, Julio Urias was in there, I think, for 12. Uh, Corbin Burns for 14. That group all came off the board after the 20-plus dollar pitchers, right? I got Woodruff and Flaherty at 24 and 25 early and thought, this mm-hmm. is great. I expected those guys to get closer to 30, 
and then you get even bigger discounts on that next group. That was one of the surprises. So I don't know if that would happen again if we if we look at NL Tout in a couple of weeks. I'm not in that auction, but you know they're pretty comparable in terms of how the pitching gets priced out. I'd be curious to see if that value disappears as as people make some adjustments. But you know, every year it's a it's a challenge. Um, you know, there's Eric Carabell. I think has had about as much success in this particular room as anybody, and he builds teams kind of the opposite way that I do. I go a little more stars and scrubs with my build. He's a little more balanced. And I think it's always interesting to look at just how different our teams are coming out of the auction. And if you look at the standings later in the year, usually we're both among the teams contending to win the league. So it, I think it's proof that you can you can win with either one of those strategies. It just comes down to execution and, and being very patient, I think, if you're going to go uh, it, really Eric's route. I think you got to be patient early. If you go aggressive early, you have to know when to jump back in. So there's still some similar traits in the auction itself, regardless of, of which path you choose. Uh, but I, I don't know. Like I, I just think it's one of those leagues that every year it, it, it's it's more difficult than the year before. Because the room keeps getting smarter. I would say that's true of, of other types of leagues too, right? I think the mm-hmm. NFBC gets harder every year. I think TGFBI gets harder every year. And you know where those leagues are starting from, I'm sure that could be several pod episodes and, and lots of arguments and fights on Twitter that I don't really want to get into. Uh, so we're definitely not going down that path. But uh, it was a challenging room because early especially, I felt like the top-end hitters were going for full freight and then some. And that's not always the case in NL labor. Sometimes you actually get those players uh, closer to their projected number. Where's Fred Zinke? Which, which labor is... He's a mixed labor. All right. Sorry. Just, just wondering. Because you just made me... You know, you're building a team, but then, yeah, there are trades. And if you're in a league with Fred Zinke, he has such a way... And I'm sure... Ian, actually, have you ever played in a league with Fred Zinke? Not yet. Oh, not yet. how about Pianowski? Uh, nope, not yet. I have not played with those guys, so I I do know I've heard that Fred Zinke trades the way I that that he he trades as often as I do, yeah, and is looking to make deals. So I, I'm a fan of that for sure. Pianowski too. Those are the two best in my entire life of tr- of playing these games. Those two stand out, and Scott White actually is really good at this too. They're just very fair traders, and the way they approach it. And Ian, I'm sure you'd get along with these guys. Like the four of you should be in a league at some point together. Because I would, <laughs> love, just to, I would love to watch it. I would love to watch how this trading stuff happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I don't know if this came clear last week, how scared I was, nervous I was. I was talking about how I got to learn, I got to work, I got to work. On your the last impersonation? The last week of my life was 100% dedicated, outside of my work and outside of my family, was 100% dedicated to this draft. And I called in as much help as I could have. Um, I reached out to Gene McCaffrey, who does the AL uh, rankings for us, uh, AL and NL rankings. Had a good, great conversation with Gene. He was incredibly helpful. How cool is Gene? Lovely. He's awesome. like the best. He's the best. He was. He was. He could not have been more helpful. And the three guys he told me that I really should go after, I got. So I'm really happy about that. You should. Did he send you his? Uh, but I don't want to take you off. But did, did he send you his? The wise guy baseball. No, no, we just talked for a while. Let me like, forward we it talked to you. for a while. You can read okay. this thing and just be like, oh my God, like I, this is my favorite fantasy writer of all time when you're done. DVR, you got it, right? Nah, maybe. I've seen it in the past. I don't think I've seen it this year. I used to buy it. Like, you know, we can get stuff for free. Like, I used to buy it because, like, it was just so good. And it's, I just, I read it and I'm like, man, this guy, like, he's so good. Anyway, yeah. sorry, continue. No problem. So I, I also reached out. Look, if, if, 
if, if you can, if, if you win leagues and I'm in the league with you, I want to know how you're winning. <laughs> like, so I, I, I try to learn from the, the guys. So I was on the phone with Alex Cushing <sighs> more than you can imagine. And the person I was on the phone even more with this week was Ariel Cohen, really trying to understand his auction strategy. And it, it really helped a lot because the hot spots um, were plentiful in the AL labor draft. And I really was working from that hot spot. Look, this is a league where Clay Link is in it. Brett Sayre, Tristan Cockrell, Steve Gardner, Dave Adler from HQ, Eno Saris, Jason Collette, Todd Zola, Ambrosius and Childs, Colton and the Wolfman, myself, and Larry Schechter. When you sit at a table with Larry Schechter, you are sitting at a table. And all of these guys, every one of these guys is there is, is to me, the the best in the game. So it was like, all right, here we go. Here we go. So I really, you know, I was really just taking nothing for granted. This was my, my absolute thing. And frankly, it, it worked out uh, to, to plan because what I felt in AL this year was the place to get bargains were in the corner and the middle infield um, and other places you got to pay up a little bit. So I'll read down my, my list of teams and I wanted to pay for a catcher and Colton and the Wolfman, and I fought over Gary Sanchez like we do in every league ever who came out in the first round. And I took Sanchez for $15, which may seem like a lot, but an ale only. I like that price. Um, you know, uh, Christian Vasquez went for $16. Uh, uh, what's that guy's name who also went for 15 Catcher from the Twins. What's his name, Ian? Garver. I yep, thank you. Garver went for 15 So Sanchez going for 15 I like how he looks in, in spring training. He's doing great. I'm going for it. Took Max Stassi for $2. That was a Gene McCaffrey. Um, first base, I got uh, Rowdy Telez late for $5. And that was part of the plan. And getting Telez for 5 bucks in ale only is pretty exciting. Second base, Fletcher for 9 I had him priced out at like 13 I wasn't planning to get Fletcher. I was looking for Cesar Hernandez or Jonathan Scope, thinking that I could get value there. Because what you want is you want at-bats, at-bats, at-bats. Counting stats. It's ale only. That's one of the things I learned from last year. Zero holes. I want guys who are going to play every single day. I don't want platoon, strong side platoon, weak side platoon. Don't want to do that. Want to avoid $1 players. I only took one $1 player and I like that $1 player. I'll get to him in a minute. Jose Iglesias at shortstop, third base. This is where I paid. I paid for Jose Ramirez. I got him for $39 really early in the draft because it looked like the top players, Trout went for 41. Trout could have gone for 44. He didn't. So I said, all right, if Ramirez is at 39, I can, I'm going to go to 39. I'm not going to go to 40. He was sitting there. I didn't even bid till it was 38, going once, going twice. I went, all right, 39. And then I was waiting for somebody to take it over. No. All right, fine. So I'm going to shift my plan. I was going to go for Mondesi. Now I'm not going to go for Mondesi because the other player that I really wanted was Tim Anderson. And I paid $30 for Tim Anderson. So Ramirez and Anderson were my building blocks because what it was going to give me was average because I knew that there were other players that I was going to go after that I wanted. And going to give me speed, which in AL only. So I didn't get Mondesi, but with Ramirez and Anderson, I spread the risk a little bit. All very good. At the corner, I got my man, Heimer Candelario, uh, which was very, very exciting. And then the outfield, I bought Joey Gallo for $21 because I believe in what's happening in spring training. And I think that he's going to have a real comeback. So then I had to protect the average. So I took Alex Verdugo for 22 I got Hunter Renfro for 9 which was another Gene McCaffrey pick. Oscar Mercado for 7 We were talking about him earlier. And then finished it off with another Gene McCaffrey pick with Cedric Mullins. 
So I felt really good because, I mean, there's some risk with Mullins. He may not play. If I if he's not going to play, I'll waiver wire it. But I think he's worth it. He's going to bring some speed. There's some balance there with Mercado and Mullins, bringing speed along with Anderson and Ramirez. So if And, and Fletcher's going to throw in a couple of, of steals as well. There's enough power at utility. I've got Renato Nunez, and who I got for $4. So I felt like I got a lot of value up and down the line, um, which is really what Ariel was teaching me all weekend and Cushing too. I was like, Cushing, how do you do so well all the time in auctions? He's like, I don't overpay. Like you may want Byron Buxton, but Byron Buxton was at $23. So do I want to pay $24 for Byron Buxton? No, I don't. I don't need to because I already paid for Jose Ramirez and Tim Anderson, even though Buxton was a target for me. All right. So that those are the hitters. Well, no, do you guys on, have- don't you have to overpay at some point? And I'm not like, I love Cushing, right? And I totally am with you that he's like, you put him, you put Adam Ronis almost in the same category with how much they've won. And Ian, you'll be there too, you know, someday. But oh, thanks, Bob. Hey, no problem. But uh, uh, yeah, dude, like I, like I, it, it, I, you have to overpay at some point, don't you? I think it's just where you overpay because you well, you could get stuck, you know, an hour and a half in and be like, I only got one player because I'm not overpaying for anybody. You well, play that's that part room. of why I took Jose Ramirez early, right? That's part of why I allocated a lot of money to one player so I wouldn't find myself in that situation. So I could find myself. So I bought Ramirez, Anderson, and Sanchez, all three in the first round. So I had already gotten rid of like $84 was already off the table. I then really just sat and waited for like an hour and a half. I was playing. I was bidding on players. But as soon as it left the value tier, I got out, right? I got out. And I waited for the next player. So then I could get the, you know, in some projections, Rowdy Telez is a $14 player in AL only. And I got him for five, you know, and I wasn't going to bid on Fletcher, but he was at six. So I went, you know what, for six, I've got him at 12 or 13. I'm going to bid seven for sure. And then the guy came back and did eight. And then I was like, all right, nine, I'll feel great if I get him for nine. And then the room stopped. So I got him for nine. I think, I think that that's, there's value in this. There's just, there's value in getting value, which you'll hear in the impression a little bit later. DVR, do you have any thoughts on the hitting all <laughs> I'm around? I'm sorry, we're out of time, actually. We've gone, we've hit the uh, hour. Go. We got to go. You had plenty of chances. <laughs> okay. DVR, do you have any thoughts real quick on the hitting? Uh, I think it was smart to get the batting average foundation in place, knowing the types of players you're going to get later, right? I mean, with Ramirez and Anderson, like you said, that batting average foundation is just as important as getting those bags. I I think it is anyway, because that opened up the possibility of getting Gallo, who really only drags in that one category. He even at least gets you a handful of bags. Obviously, the home runs are going to be there. The runs and RBIs are above uh, above average as well. So he's he's good in four categories. As for a format like this, that doesn't work as well if you don't have high volume, elite batting average players locked into the roster. Yep. So thinking through that up front, okay, if I get these guys, I, I can get these guys later. Had you gone with Mondesi as a foundational yep. hitter, I'm guessing you're not getting Joey Gallo at 21 on the same roster, even if you like him at that price. I can afford to take Gallo and Sanchez with their batting average risk because of Ramirez, Anderson, Iglesias, and Fletcher. And yeah. Verdugo like that, that. That's I'm trying to balance you because that's a weakness in my game. Batting average is a weakness in my game. And if you understand where your weaknesses are and you can improve them, that's how you grow as a player. Then I'm moving on to pitchers real quick. Um, I paid up for Liam Hendricks. I paid $23. It was me and Schechter down at the end. Uh, I, I bid 21. He bid 22. And Cushing had said to me, he's like, if you want 
the top closer, you better pay. I mean, I got coaching guys. These guys were coaching me. I was getting consultations. And when the draft was going, it was all me. You know, it was, they were texting me. I hopped on a call in, in, in a break every once in a while, like, hey, it's going, it's going decent. But these guys coached me up and I spent the time and I learned from them and I feel like it, it served me. We'll see. You know, it's, everyone looks good at the draft. Everyone, everyone feels that their team is just what they wanted. So I, I did spend 23 on Hendricks, locked down, a, I think, the best closer in baseball in an AL only. I'm going to count on him. And then I, I handcuffed him with Aaron Bummer, thinking of UDVR in the second round of the reserves, just so I made sure that, although Garrett Crochet, Tristan Cockcroft took him with the first pick in the reserves, which made me a little nervous. Anyway, I took Frankie Montas for 12. Jamison Tyone for 11, John Means for 10, Mike Miner for 8, Diego Castillo for 8, which I think I overpaid 2 bucks on that. I really should have stopped at 6, um, but he will give me maybe a third of the save, so him combined with Hendricks. Nate Pearson for 4, which in AL only makes good sense. I think he's a start on the IL. That'll free me up to stream in the early weeks. Robbie Ray for 4 bucks. Hello, everybody. Look out that for turn Robbie out Ray. Either, yeah. But if he, if he, the thing that made me want that, and I was going to go even a little bit higher with Robbie Ray, was he pitched on over the weekend. He pitched 28 pitches. How many do you think were strikes? 27. Probably like 20. 26. 26 out of 28. Okay, all right. Yeah, 26 out of 28 pitches were strikes. He's got amazing stuff. If he can put it together, that'll be a real nice piece to this team. Gregory Soto was my $1 player. Felt great about it. Um, felt great about him. And then in the reserves, I took uh, Matt Shoemaker as my first pick. So he's going to go in the rotation for Pearson. I feel great about that. And then the second pick, I went with, uh, and actually I went with Chris Davis with a K, I think, second. Um, to So if any of my corners, if Nunez doesn't work out, or if Candelario, Candelario will work out, um, and Telez doesn't work out, I, I, can, I have somebody who I can move into my DH spot. And then I took Aaron Bummer, then Tyler Chatwood, Justin Dunn, and then finished with your boy, Franklin Barreto. So overall- uh, Yeah, Justin Dunn, actually. Let's not gloss over him. I mean, maybe we'll save it for next show. But overall, I felt good. You know, I think a lot of teams did really well. I think uh, Eno Saris did well. I think Larry Schechter, as always, did well. Clay Link did well. Brett Sarah. I mean, everyone everyone built a good team. Uh, Colton the Wolfman, um, for sure, as always. You know, many-time champions of, of Tout Wars and Labor. Those guys are Hall of Famers for a reason. So it was a, it was a it was a really good experience. I feel like I did everything I could to put my team into a chance to possibly compete, and that's it. Those are my feelings. I really I, you got to ask DVR this, but I don't know if we have time for the Ariel Cohen. Uh, you want to take us out as Ariel Cohen? Well, I could I could do it. Do, I, do, I your, hear- do your Ariel Cohen and take us out. Well, I, no, you still have to do for the man because people love that. But DVR, real quick, well, what if I, what what if think, I oh, send them to you and you can just read them? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, DVR, real quick, what did you think of? Uh, what do you think of that? I think the pitching has a little more risk than the hitting, right? Your hitting is really strong throughout. I think I could see your pitching ratios being a problem. Like that's that's where I think you have the most risk. I think you have a lot of innings. I think you have a lot of Ks. I think paying up for a closer is smart this year, especially. In a deep league, so I mean, in an only league, it's hard not to have one weakness or but one remember, trouble spot. Remember, the the reason you're getting Burns for fourteen dollars, all of the pitching is the National League, all of it, all of it. You have in the American League, your number one is Cole, your number two is Bieber, your number three is Giolito. That's it. That's the list. After that, you got Tyler Glass now, who's pretty good, but then you're dropping down to Lance Lynn and Zach Greinke. 
Whereas your top 10, you know, of, of the top 20 pitchers, 15 of them are in the NL. And then the next group, NL, the pitching is in the National League. So all of the pitching is, is, is risk. So I decided instead of paying up for Lance Lander, instead of paying up for Zach Greinke, I wanted to live in the $10 area. That's really where I wanted to live on pitching. But I wanted to make it, I wanted to spread that risk as much as I possibly could. That yeah, I think, you, I think you did that. I think you executed that plan very well. That was the plan. It's our Mega Auction Strategy Podcast. Join us with guest Derek Van Riper from The Athletic. Pitchers and catchers are upon us. That's debatable between auction and draft strategy. But either way, you want to find your hot spot to get the most value for your auction price because with value comes winning. Take it from me, 2016 presidential candidate Ariel Cohen. And you can look it up. Is that it? <laughs> Did you hear what I said about 2016 presidential candidate Ariel Cohen? I don't get it. He ran for president of the United States in 2016. That's interesting. Do you want to hear the story? I could tell it to you quick. Uh, is there such a thing? D- uh, so, hey, it's DVR, man. He's the one who's got to edit out all these uh, player names. So no, here, I actually have a pod starting in about 15 minutes. So Okay, so I will hold off on the story, and I will tell the story next week. If people are interested of how Ariel Cohen actually ran for president of the United States in 2016 and got 37 votes, that is true. If he ran in uh, 2024, would, would you vote for him? <laughs> hold that no. thought. Let us know next show. <laughs> no. I don't want to put anyway. you in a weird spot. No, no, it's okay. Why, you don't think he'd be a good president? I think that there are better people for that role. I think there's nobody better to help coach you up on how to be a better auction player. You should listen to Beat the Shift podcast. If you've got an auction coming up, go back to the auction one that was with Derek Van Riper. Because uh, Derek Van Riper. Derek Van Riper. All right, get us out of here. We got to get out of here. You sure you don't want to take us out as Ariel Cohen? I'm positive. Keep going. All right. For the man who's going to spend all day finding a beep long enough to cover all of Ian's players' last names, Derek Arriva. <laughs> that's not that's not happening. I'm going to talk to Cody Stavenhagen about the Tigers. For the guy who has this comic book called Superman he'd like to tell you about if you remember it, Ian Khan. <laughs> that's me. See you next week. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Go get your Christian Stewarts now. Bye. Bye. Good talk. Good talk.